Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Roel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, make your second half of life even better than the first. We may be recovering slowly, tentatively, from a long pandemic as in-person interaction cautiously resumes in our daily lives. But there's a sense of comfort in this new normal. There seems to be a pervasive feeling of stress, anxiety, trauma, and depression that continues to linger. In part, we're still grieving the losses inflicted by the last two plus years. And we're worried that new, con- new COVID variants like BA2 may drive up cases again, where masking requirements are reinstated, social isolation dampens our, sp- dampens our spirits, as well as our recovery. On top of all that, we're nervous about inflation, a possible recession, the growing war in Ukraine, and troubling political and social divisions in our country. So how do we cope with our anxiety society? How do we find ways to manage and alleviate what increasingly feels like overwhelming stress? In today's episode, Bill Saltz, the Director of Stress Solutions of New York, talks about his long career exploring ways to help people deal with emotional pain through quicker healing approaches. Bill's journey has given him many different and valuable perspectives as a teacher, childcare worker, university professor, social worker in both public and private schools, and now a licensed clinical social worker with multiple credentials including certification in anger management and domestic violence. Bill will talk about how he works with individuals and families to promote stress reduction and address the impact of emotional traumas and addictions. He'll explain various treatment approaches he uses to provide quick symptom relief and comprehensive healing. Among them, alternative therapy techniques, such as havening and the development and needs meeting strategy. And at a time when many of us feel pressured to move on in our fast paced culture, despite daunting setbacks, Bill will discuss his work as an advanced grief recovery specialist, leading a support group that incorporates treatment as well. So now let's meet our guest, Bill Souls. Bill, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much, Ron. I, I've been looking forward to uh, hearing. Yes, yes. So Bill, before we dive into a, a lot of uh, material that's, I think, you know, going to be fascinating for our guests, tell me a little bit about you know, how you got to where you are today. As I mentioned in our, my intro, you've had a, you know, a, a many different perspectives. Um, so just give me a little bit, of, share a little bit of your journey with the, the listeners. Sure. So um, I'll take you way back. So, okay. <laughs> when I was about eight years old, uh, I was an avid sports fan, uh, particularly uh, related to uh, baseball. Mm-hmm. And um, my thought as an eight-year-old was, uh, how valuable would it be if baseball teams had a therapist on board? Wow. Uh, they would um, you know, be able to help uh, batters avoid long slumps you know, where they were not uh, hitting well. And if there were interpersonal difficulties uh, you know, amongst team members, uh, he would be equipped to run groups that would uh, help uh, facilitate communication and help the players get along better. And, um, you know, um, pretty much I idolized all these ball players. So mm-hmm. 
the notion of being able to be in that element was particularly uh, exciting for me. Wow. So I very much pursued that path. And, um, you know, uh, going into college, uh, I was a psych major. And, uh, and then, um, you know, going forward, uh, I ultimately uh, pursued uh, social work. Uh, mm. I attended Fordham University. Mm -hmm. um, perhaps I should also mention that uh, while I was uh, in college, I had experienced a major trauma for myself mm -hmm. in that the person who I was most close to was my grandfather. Right. And uh, he had been run over by a car. Oh, and wow. uh, I, I was completely devastated. And uh, there was about a 10-day period that I visited with him daily uh, at the hospital. Uh, he was hooked up to all these tubes. He definitely did not recognize me. And uh, I wasn't going to school. Uh, and then uh, taking that further, um, you know, after he died, uh, I really couldn't think. I became exceedingly depressed. Right. And next thing I knew, uh, I dropped out. Wow. of college and in the time when uh, dropping out was not very popular. So uh, my uh, parents were um, sensitive to my despair. So they got me involved in counseling. And uh, uh, I did get better. But uh, with that, it really left me with a bit of taste. The bit of taste being why did it have to take so long? Right. And when I talk about length of time, it wasn't for another year and a half that I was able to return to college and, and then uh, go uh, on with my career. So from that experience, I really uh, developed a strong uh, interest and passion to learn quicker acting healing approaches. Wow. And the uh, postgraduate, uh, indeed the first uh, approach that I tried was uh, hypnosis. Hmm. However, I did not find that to be particularly helpful mm -hmm. in terms of uh, promoting healing for my clients. I did find it uh, to be uh, helpful for those clients who wanted to stop smoking or lose weight. Got it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. By the way, this is not to suggest that hypnosis is not helpful. Indeed, I have many colleagues who actively use hypnosis mm -hmm. in practice, mm -hmm. but that was not my experience. Right, right. And then uh, just to go a little further, uh, in 1987, a new treatment approach was developed. Uh, it's called eye movement desensitization reprocessing, otherwise right. known as EMDR. Mm -hmm. And that became the first evidence based trauma treatment approach right. uh, that there was, you know, at that time. Right. And uh, I was fortunate uh, to be uh, trained and certified uh, relatively early on. Mm -hmm. And it very much put me on the map as a trauma specialist. Right. So uh, that became reflected in the fact that I had become the number one referral source for the Long Island Railroad. Right. Indeed, when the engineers were uh, killing people crossing the tracks, mm. and it happened far more frequently than is publicized, th those individuals would be uh, 
so shattered emotionally, right. they can no longer commandeer the train. Right. So they would be referred to me. And again, courtesy of EMDR, on average, it would take me six sessions to resolve that trauma. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, uh, we've talked broadly before just about the whole issue of uh, trauma and stress and anxiety and just... Um, uh, so there are quicker healing techniques, but there, there's also a, a, a wide, um, you know, uh, uh, experience with these things, which I think, you know, interestingly, some of these things have come forth um, from the pandemic to sort of a focus on stress and anxiety and the sense of trauma. Some of these things in the past have, you know, I mean, certainly coming out, uh, veterans coming out of wars, you know, we, we, I think that alerted us PTSD. Yeah. Um, and certainly those are, those are, you know, extreme experiences that a lot of us don't go through. So I don't want to assume that, that it's the same. We experience the same, you know, as the vets do. Um, nevertheless, I think there, there is sort of, a, I think a growing recognition that, that, um, you know, these are things that we can address and, and we can, you know, uh, confront. We don't, you know, I, I think, you know, in our, in our parents' generation, experiences from the war or past traumas were, were kind of basically assumed sort of like, you know what, just get over it, move on. Um, and I think a lot of these things were repressed. And I think as you and I have had discussions, they, they do come out. And I think that, you know, there, there, I think that there's a growing awareness that it's okay. You know, it's not a matter, you know, it's important to destigmatize these situations and to just acknowledge that there are ways to handle it, you know, appropriately, uh, without feeling like you're, uh, you know, somehow, you know, pandering or, or, you know, uh, or enabling people. I think that's, so I think there's a lot of mythology that needs to be de-mythologized, right? Yeah, definitely so. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, uh, there's um, a colleague of mine, um, he's not a clinician, uh, but in fact, uh, he was someone who was exceedingly depressed and he had gone through uh, so many different kinds of uh, treatment and, you know, med medication, mm -hmm. uh, electroshock treatment. And um, he, uh, he really had not gotten better uh, for the longest time. And uh, until he got involved with uh, an integrative uh, psychiatrist who uh, also had him involved in different other natural healing approaches. So his name is Eric Houston, mm -hmm. K-U-S-S-I-N. Mm -hmm. And um, his mission has been to very much uh, destigmatize mental health. Mm -hmm. And um, he created this uh, tremendous uh, organization. Um, uh, its website is we are all a little crazy.org. Wow. And his notion is that um, five out of five people have mental health issues. And one of the ways that he's um, looked to bring that whole um, notion to uh, our consciousness is by um, uh, getting celebrities, primarily in mm -hmm. the sports field, to um, um, open up related to their own, um, you know, uh, situations in terms of uh, mental health. So, for example, there's mm -hmm. uh, 
a, a hockey player who had been sexually abused. Right. And his story is on the website. Uh, there are countless other, um, you know, again, uh, athletic celebrities uh, uh, who put their stories out there. Hmm. I'm, uh, I was actually honored uh, in terms of attending his uh, breakout uh, introduction of the organization. And when I shared with him uh, a particular healing approach that uh, I'm involved with, uh, it's called Havening, uh, he asked me to become the face of Havening. And indeed, uh, if anybody so cares to check it out, and it's a wonderful website, um, you'll end up uh, seeing me. Okay. Uh, but it's done incredible things. And uh, uh, Eric has brought that whole concept into schools. And indeed, uh, members uh, you know, of the healing community affiliated uh, with the organization have certainly made their presence felt. Mm-hmm. And uh, different tragedies, uh, as well as non-tragedy situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's now you mentioned Haven. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Perhaps you could just explain, Bill, about, you know, about the treatment, how it works, you know, um, perhaps some examples of, of, you know, how you used it, how you developed it and how it may be different from other approaches. Sure. So uh, uh, because of my background in EMDR, uh, I was fortunate to have been introduced uh, by a colleague uh, who I met in a networking group. Uh, his name is Lou Falco. And Lou happens to be um, a Vietnam War veteran. Okay. And he asked me if I knew about Havening. And I did not. And um, Lou introduced me to its co-developer, Dr. Steve Rudin, mm-hmm. uh, who has a practice in Seacliff, uh, Long Island. Mm-hmm. And I ended up meeting him, and uh, because of my background in EMDR, uh, Steve gave me a scholarship uh, to become trained in the first ever uh, New York City training. And and actually, his twin brother, Ron, is more credited with uh, developing Havening, Mm -hmm. uh, Ron is a Harvard-trained neurobiologist, and uh, uh, after about 15 years of uh, research, uh, the two of them combined to come up with uh, this treatment approach. And uh, uh, I, I have to say, um, quite frankly, it, it, it had blown me away. Mm-hmm. At that time, I, I was dealing with a major trauma in my life, And I cannot believe how after about a 20-minute experience uh, where a newly trained colleague Mm -hmm. was working with me, what relief I experienced. And uh, ever since that uh, weekend training, I've uh, used Havening with every single one of my clients Mm -hmm. from that day forward. And that was in 2013. So Havening is what's uh, regarded as a psychosensory treatment approach. Okay. It's um, 
It's based on a, a few concepts. Uh, one is the notion of touch. Um, and uh, what Ron had noticed early on, that babies who were experiencing upset seemed to calm down through the warm, soothing touch of their caregiver. Right. So with that, he postulated that the notion of touch was critical in terms of healing. Uh, the other uh, aspect mm-hmm. of havening is uh, uh, to um, uh, um, to be uh, in touch with your upsetting emotions. Right. In conjunction with distraction techniques, it's that seems to be the elixir, if you will, hmm. in terms of uh, severing the trauma from a particular part of our brain called the amygdala, which houses trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, how you say distraction, how, how do you do that? I mean, without getting too detailed, but just give a sense of what are we talking about in terms of distraction? So distraction techniques could be uh, uh, visualization. It could mm-hmm. be, um, uh, okay, I just finished meeting with a client. I asked her to uh, share with me uh five favorite movies so mm-hmm. uh, you know um asked her to spell something backwards so right these are all distraction techniques uh, right. doing some humming right. and and it's uncanny mm-hmm. how that in conjunction with the expressing of emotions and the touch mm-hmm. have the ability to very much free individuals from the upset that they've held for many, many years or more right. recently. Yeah. So, uh, Bill, we need to take a quick break. Uh, it'll be a short break. So uh, uh, when we come back, we'll be talking much more, folks, with Bill Sulz, the Director of Stress Solutions of New York. Um, so uh, after the break, we'll continue this conversation on Havening. So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We live in a fully connected world and share digital information every day in our businesses, with our money, and even our health. I should know. My name is Tyler Cohen Wood, and I'm a top cybersecurity expert and former U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency senior intelligence officer. I know many technology secrets that keep our world safe, but I have a secret few people know. I suffer from a rare autoimmune disease that has no conventional cure. According to the National Institutes of Health, as many as 25 million Americans suffer from a rare undiagnosed condition. People with rare or hard to diagnose diseases often spend years being shuffled from doctor to doctor and specialist to specialist, feeling as if they're in an endless loop of siloed care that rarely gives answers to unexplained conditions. In 2018, I became one of these people. At the time, I had no idea that I would use my cybersecurity background to save my own life or that I was about to go through a tumultuous medical journey that would change the course of my life and in turn, give me the opportunity to bring together my cybersecurity knowledge and my patient experience to change the business of digital health. On My Connected Life, Digital Health Disrupted, you'll hear how to better understand and improve your patient experience and keep your connected life safe. 
We'll talk about the latest digital trends that can keep the security of the entire healthcare ecosystem and our data secure and within our control. The business of digital health is our business and it's time we learn to own it. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on The Voice America Variety channel the internet's number one talk station number one talk station voiceamerica.com you're listening to 45 forward to reach ron roel or his guest on the program please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com that's ron.roel at gmail.com now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking with Bill Souls, the Director of Stress Solutions in New York. Now, before we continue, I want to just let you know you can find more information about Bill at his website, www.stresssolutionsny.com, where you can learn much more about his work and also read his blog. So, Bill, before the break, um, uh, we were talking about havening and uh, and and you know, a little bit about how it works. Um, and uh, one of the things that you've mentioned to me is that it's, it's fairly, um, you know, fast healing in, in terms of its uh, 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 effects and also that people can learn how to use it. Tell me a little bit more about that, about how it is that, uh, that you teach it to people. You also teach it to other, um, other folks in your field. And, um, you know, how can they use, learn to use it themselves? Sure. So, um Okay, so uh, I, I, I could share with you uh, a couple of, uh, I could share with you many. Okay, <laughs> okay. How quick acting it is. So, okay, um, uh, one of my uh, favorite uh, memories uh, mm-hmm. actually pertained to my working with a Vietnam War veteran. Right. And um, he, um, he was very... Um, uh, motivated and meeting with me uh, actively uh, each week uh, until one day um, he um, he canceled and I was puzzled and uh, when I questioned him he said it's because of the rain okay and I was really confused because this is a guy who'd been in the swamps of Vietnam you know uh, more than 50 years earlier so um after questioning him, he ends up telling me that it's really not the rain, it was the thunder. So when he said that, I knew what his issue was. So I said, why don't you come in tomorrow? It's going to be a sunny day. And indeed, we met. And I asked him to think back to an earlier memory 
where he heard loud, upsetting noises. And it immediately brought him back to this battle in Vietnam. And um, sure enough, uh, we addressed that with Havening. um, So this was uh, an event more than 50 years earlier where two of his buddies uh, were killed. And um, in the course of that one session, his level of upset, which was at a nine, as he reflected on that memory, went down to a zero. And what uh, proceeded to occur was each week he would come into me and he would say to me, that rain don't bother me no more. Mm-hmm. So that's an example of how quick acting uh, it can be. Um, I, I had another a woman who happened to be a nurse and uh, she was now in job jeopardy. And uh, she'd been meeting with a psychiatrist who had been giving her medication. And um, the problem was she was only sleeping a maximum of four hours a night Mm -hmm. at two two hour intervals. So um, when I met with her, um, you know, the first session I have with a client is an intake where I try to understand, you know, their present situation as Mm -hmm. well as information. And uh, she shared with me that uh, she had broken up uh, with her boyfriend uh, four months ago. And uh, I asked her how upsetting was that event? And she said, uh, it wasn't that big a deal. It was out of four. Anyway, um, I do a thing called energy testing. And after that, it turned out her level of upset was at an eight. So after So we addressed that breakup. And after that session, we were, we scheduled another session three days later. Um, So on the follow-up, I asked her, how was she doing? And she said, let me put it to you like this. I now go to bed at uh, 1030 and I wake up at seven. I sleep straight through the night. Mm -hmm. So this is just after one session of Havening. And the beautiful thing about Havening, not only are my clients able to uh, experience significant relief in person, but after I take them through the process, they now are educated enough to be able to use it for themselves. So I've since come to regard uh, Havening as the most effective self-emotional regulation technique there is. Wow. Wow. So in, in, in a thematic sense, so basically it, uh, going back to what you mentioned before, the approach is essentially a way to um, sort of change the narrative or get something, at, how do you get a story out of someone's head through distraction? Yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah. And, and again, it uses touch, which, um, I I always compare havening to EMDR. And um, so the touch is uh, significantly important because when I used EMDR with uh, clients in the past, some of them would have what are called app reactions. Mm -hmm. When they'd go back in time to that earlier memory, it would be so exceedingly disturbing. They would have tremendous difficulty. Right. And how might that be manifested? Uh, 
by crying, screaming, uh, things of that nature. With havening, because we're utilizing touch, which is actually hardwired into us mm -hmm. from the time we were infants uh, by our caregivers. Mm -hmm. So incorporating the touch is self-soothing. Right. And I experience no app reactions with my clients. Now, how do you, how do you incorporate touch? Be a little uh, bit more. Yeah, Give us so an it's, uh, it's very simple. Um, so basically, um, uh, I look at it as in three parts. And mm -hmm. uh, if the individual's uncomfortable with using any of them, they, any part, they need not. But um, so the first part would be uh, go, taking one's hands and going down from the forehead down their cheeks. Second part would be crossing over uh, with your arms so mm -hmm. that your left arm touches your right shoulder and uh, right arm touches left shoulder and going down from the shoulders to your elbows. So that's the second part. And the third part is just like washing your hands. So mm -hmm. I have my clients uh, go through those three parts mm -hmm. uh, throughout. Right. And I, actually, interestingly enough, I had done a workshop uh, once where somebody was touch averse. Mm. And, um, so um, it turned out I suggested to her that, uh, you know, she could uh, actually uh, touch, um, a, you know, a soft object, you know, in, in a similar fashion. And right. uh, indeed, um, she ended up uh, using touch on her dog. And wow. she found that to be uh, very helpful as wow. well. Interesting. Very interesting. Now you use other things as well. And that some of the things that we've talked about and uh, thought maybe you can talk about um, uh, what's known as DNMS uh, developmental needs meeting strategy. Uh, yeah. Talk about how that uh, compares with uh, havening and, and contrasts. Okay. So um, the, uh, the developmental needs meeting strategy was developed by um, Shirley Jean Schmidt. And she was a former EMDR clinician. Okay. And, and basically, um, that is related to uh, addressing inner child wounds along with um, attachment-related issues. So um, from my perspective, um, the two um, major aspects, in addition to uh, genetics that contribute to personality, are trauma and attachment. And um, so, so the developmental needs meeting strategy is much more comprehensive than havening. Uh, it's very, very supportive. Mm -hmm. And it, um, it's incredibly helpful. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, the other nice thing about it is sometimes we as individuals uh, tend to take on negative messages from significant others, such as you're not good enough. Okay. You'll never amount to anything. You're a loser. Those kinds of negative messages uh, become Velcroed onto us, hmm. usually from early on, although uh, it can happen from uh, 
recent, uh, you know, situations, uh, taking right. negative messages from a spouse, for example, and holding on to those negative messages very much disempower each of us. Right. And uh, I can tell you that um, uh, the most common theme that I get from clients who go through the DNMS is the response of liberation. Hmm. They recognize how liberating and liberated they feel after having experienced. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think that these are, you know, valuable tools people should know about. I certainly, um, uh, you know, when we, my show was 45 forward, so a lot of these things crop up in the latter half of life, um, but a lot of times they're connected to early parts of our life, as, as you have, have uh, indicated. And um, so uh, I want to just talk about, so, you, you know, yeah, so these issues come up with clients my age or younger, but also um, you work with, you know, families and children too, so um uh talk a little bit about that i mean you have experience also as a child care worker as a teacher um you know you've worked as a social worker in schools so talk about some of the you know the similarities and differences of working with children as opposed to people getting as they get older yeah so um uh as you indicated um yeah i i've actually had a very rich background uh, mm-hmm. working with children uh, right uh i was um living in a cottage, uh, running a cottage of 16 emotionally disturbed kids uh, for mm. two years, along with, uh, you know, a colleague, a co-worker. And um, that was a tremendous experience for me. And it actually preceded uh, my entry into uh, graduate school for social work. Um, following, uh, in between... Um, uh, child care and social work. I had also worked as um, a paraprofessional teacher and then a teacher for a short time. And um, then, you know, I, I recognized for myself that uh, I really did not like uh, dealing with uh, the behavior management piece uh, with the children. So, okay. uh, but I, I always knew that, you know, I wanted to be a therapist. So, I then went uh, well, f- fast forward into graduate school, and uh, I was fortunate uh, after having worked two years in a diagnostic center with acting out adolescence um, to be able to get a position in the New York City school system of where I continued for 26 years. Wow. So okay. I was working at at actually all three levels, uh, elementary, junior high, as well as high school. And uh, during that uh, whole period of time, uh, I concurrently had my private practice. So um, um, I I would have to say that uh, working with children uh, was always like my first love. Hmm. And um, uh, as a matter of fact, I used to question myself, well, could I really work with adults? Huh. <laughs> and uh, lo and behold, it happened. <laughs> so, okay. so uh, actually, uh, kind of how I got my start in um, 
uh, as a therapist, it turned out there was an agency that uh, basically uh, took referrals in uh, two uh, different kind of fashions. Uh, okay. All of the referrals either came due to um, uh, marriage uh, counseling situations or or they were related to DWI, uh, driving while intoxicated. Mm -hmm. And uh, interestingly enough, I knew nothing of each. (laughs) I I ended up uh, getting, uh, I I found for myself, I was exceedingly uncomfortable when he assigned me the first couple to work with. Hmm. I begged out of that. And uh, I exclusively was working with um, uh, drug and alcohol-related individuals. And, uh, and when I came to recognize that uh, that agency's practices uh, really were unethical, I, I then went for additional training and became a credentialed alcohol and substance abuse counselor and very much in the beginning of my work, um, 90% of my clients uh, came for those issues. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I find it interesting, Bill. I mean, obviously that, you know, you deal with a lot of psychological issues, but there's, I think what's interesting too, is the, um, you know, the intermingling of uh, psychological and social issues. I mean, and so that's why I find your work as a social worker, you know, instructive that, you know, a lot of these things are, involve a, a complex uh, matrix of issues. Um, so uh, we're actually going to take another quick break, Bill. Um, so, but folks, um, when we come back, uh, we have a lot more to talk about in our last segment with Bill Sals, the Director of Stress Solutions of New York. So don't go anywhere. There's much more to come. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Tune in to Melody Edmondson's The Space of the Waste radio program. This companion piece to her successful guidebook series, The Space of the Waste, focuses on body types and how to make your waist length flattering, no matter what your body type is. Guests include designers, merchandise managers, factory owners, and more. You'll also find out what accessories will complement your body shape and waist length. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. 
From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. Uh, we're talking with Bill Saltz, a licensed clinical social worker. Uh, now, before the break, we were talking with Bill about the work he does dealing with anxiety and stress and trauma with children. Uh, but he also does a lot of work on the flip side with parents. Um, so, Bill, let, tell, tell us a bit about your work with parents and your parenting workshops and how you got involved in that. Um, okay. So, um, uh, I have two daughters, and um, uh, quite frankly, when they were ages five and three, mm-hmm. um, I um, I really felt that I was not having a stronger connection or bond with them as I should or could, mm-hmm. and I really couldn't attribute it uh, strictly to um, gender. So um, I ended up. Um, getting involved myself in um, where I attended a parenting workshop. It was right. a 12 session uh, program that uh, one of my colleagues, a psychologist was holding and he invited me to check out one session. Right. And my gosh, I got hooked. I swallowed it uh, completely. And, um, and then I very much came to realize Okay, I should even back up. Honestly, I thought if there was ever going to be a great parent, it was going to be me. (laughs) uh, The reason I say that is um, I I always wanted to be a father. Mm -hmm. I was highly motivated. And all my background experience in terms of being a childcare worker, a teacher, and then a clinical social worker had all the ingredients right in front of me for me to achieve just that, but it wasn't happening. And then I came to realize through um, that involvement that there's a whole nother aspect that has is culturally ignored. And mm-hmm. that is related to uh, becoming an effective parent. Right. So we're taught how to have children, how not to have children, but when we get them, we're not really taught how to, what to do with them. Mm-hmm. And um, so I very much uh, became uh, engulfed in parent effectiveness training. And indeed, I've been providing that for my clients uh, going forward. Indeed, uh, when I was in the schools, uh, I used to provide parenting workshops on a monthly basis. And some of the students used to tell their uh, moms, yeah, keep going to Mr. Souls. You know, uh, <laughs> you're actually doing better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you're right. I mean, I think that I uh, I had um, 
children a, a little later on the side of marriage than, than most people. But I do recall after you know doing my uh, what I thought was due diligence and reading all these parenting books, <laughs> there was an awful lot that was not in those books. And it was about, you know, the emotional components of parenting and the kinds of feeling you mentioned, you mentioned like anger management. So, I mean, uh, as you well know, those are those early wonderful days of having an infant are also quite <laughs> traumatic for you in terms of never getting any sleep, of dealing with issues like, what is that about? Which I take them to the doctor, you know, all sorts of things. So I think it's important to weigh in with uh, these issues with someone. As a matter of fact, Ron, um, I... I've been fortunate to learn a lot of things uh, over my years, and I would uh, hold parent effectiveness uh, training as perhaps number one, uh, because it allowed me, enabled me uh, to really, uh, I think, do a great job as a parent. And testimony to that is uh, my daughters, uh, till this day, are like my best friends. Right. Great. Right. And another thing that you've mentioned to me in our past discussions is the importance of, of these early periods, too, is that what, again, on, uh, on sort of flipping back and forth, what happens to uh, children as, as, as uh, young people, often the, the traumas or the behaviors or the abuses come return as adults, right? Mm -hmm. You know, in other words, they're, they may be traumatized by stuff, but they also often repeat behaviors, yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's um, a famous book, uh, The Past is Always Present. And, oh, okay. um, you know, um, uh, as a matter of fact, I I'm very much uh, follow that belief in uh, uh, the sense that I, when I work with clients, I very much look uh, to address not only their present uh, upset, but... Um, perhaps even more importantly, it's etiology. And mm -hmm. etiology usually is housed in unresolved emotional earlier upset, which uh, Havening and the Developmental Needs Meeting Strategy just do a wonderful job in terms of addressing. Right, right. And one of the related issues uh, that uh, you're involved in is uh, with uh, grief recovery. And so, you know, with both parents and children, there's been a lot of talk, obviously, as a result of the pandemic, um, about dealing with grief and dealing with, you know, stress and trauma. Uh, and I think that's, you know, it certainly has, has um, shown a spotlight on it. But I think these issues, as most people acknowledge, have, have always been there, perhaps that it's it's been um, there's been a brighter focus because of the isolation of the of the pandemic, but um, but the issue of of grief dealing with the pandemic um, and some actual physical losses, but also feeling of loss in life is something that's difficult, and I think just starting to come out now really as as things subside. So talk a, bit, a little bit about that, about how you work with that, and I know you do some workshops in this capacity too. Uh, okay, so first, uh, I should mention the, the, the fact that each of us has experienced the pandemic. Uh, the pandemic represents another trauma. And one of the reasons uh, individuals have had such difficulty coping is that our brain uh, does not have the ability to sort out trauma. So um, when we experience uh, 
a new trauma, it tends to reactivate earlier unresolved trauma. Hmm. So um, some of the emotional uh, difficulties people are having were not singularly related to the trauma of the pandemic. Right. And um, so, um, uh, so in terms of, um, you know, helping people, uh, you know, related to some of the grief related aspects, um, I have to say that uh, over the years, uh, I know that I've done a, a very good job in terms of addressing my clients' needs uh, in terms of helping them overcome the trauma of whatever loss. However, I also came to recognize that there was an emotional piece mm-hmm. that, let's say, havening uh, was unable to really effectively address. Okay. And uh, so as a result, I ended up pursuing additional training. And indeed, uh, I'm glad to say uh, I'm uh, now regarded as an advanced certified grief recovery specialist. Uh, So that deals with the whole emotional residue in terms of the relationship. So, uh, for example, there are all these undelivered communications that we uh, may have experienced, things that uh, we wanted to say but didn't, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, things that, um, you know, we we should have said. And um, so the grief recovery method is actually uh, the only evidence-based approach of its kind where um, at this juncture uh, it's been utilized for more than 40 years mm-hmm. and um, literally um, millions of people worldwide right. have been uh, beneficiaries mm-hmm. of the method right. and it does a wonderful job of uh, helping uh, the individual come to uh, uh, better terms right. with their loss. Yeah. Now, could you just, just um, I know it's, it probably is fairly extensive, uh, but can you just give me an outline of sort of what, what is the method, a bit of the methodology involved? Uh, sure. So uh, actually um, it's um, uh, the, the program is a very structured one mm-hmm. uh, that would encompass uh, eight sessions. Okay. And so uh, unlike uh, bereavement, uh, support groups, which are great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the advantage of the grief recovery method is that it has a beginning and an end mm-hmm. and um, in which we're able to do a, a wonderful job in terms of addressing loss. So the first uh, uh, actual couple sessions are, are related to helping us get in touch with uh, some of the myths that we've been, uh, uh, that we've learned, all right. of us have learned mm-hmm. in terms of uh, dealing with loss. Right. You know, statements like, um, you know, um, don't feel bad, replace the loss. Mm-hmm. You know, so, in other words, uh, somebody, uh, uh, you know, um, may have broken up with a loved one. There are plenty of fish in the sea. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, um, I know um, 
And, and again, these kinds of statements are all well-meaning by other uh, individuals, but right. uh, we have not, as a society, been taught how to deal with law. So uh, uh, as a result, uh, you know, some of the statements uh, that come from others are, are indeed uh, hurtful because then, then they're really not dealing, they're dealing with the thoughts and not the broken hearts. And uh, the grief recovery method is all about dealing with those broken hearts. So um, statements like, um, you know what? She's in a better place or um, God gives us all that we can handle. Right. <laughs> You know, somebody had also said uh, after uh, some uh, someone had lost a child, said, well, at least you have three others. Oh, boy. Uh, again, uh, if you think about it, as a society, we're totally neglectful, I think, in three aspects. One, and basically two of which we're all guaranteed to experience. One is uh, how to deal with stress, right? And uh, number two, how do how do we deal with grief, right. right? And and number three, which is a biggie, how do we parent effectively? Right. right. So uh, those are my pet peeves uh, right. <laughs> related to our society. Right. Well, Bill. Uh, on that note, uh, uh, unfortunately, we have to end our show, but I'm glad we ended on those three notes of focus. Um, uh, so we're going to have to leave it there for today, but I'm glad you brought up these issues and many provocative thoughts for um, helping people deal with stress and anxiety and trauma. Um, so I just, before we close, um, if people have questions or comments for you, um, what's the best way to, for people to contact you? Um, okay, well, I, I think it's easy enough to remember uh, my website, stresssolutionsny.com. So there are three S's in the middle. Okay. And, uh, I also have uh, an easy enough phone number, and that's 855-LESS-STRESS. Uh, easy to remember. Good to remember. Great. Okay. Well, folks, uh, you could also reach Bill. Uh, he's on LinkedIn, of course, and Facebook, so you can contact get some contact with him there uh and once again if you tell your friends if they missed my conversation with bill today uh you could listen to it on the podcast on voiceamerica.com just search for my show 45 forward and also listen to it on my website robotresources.com just click on the 45 forward tab um so uh be sure to join me next monday 12 noon pacific 3 p.m eastern when i'll be talking with virginia morris uh, Gigi morris is the author of the iconic resource for family Give caregivers how to care for your aging parents so until then folks keep moving forward 45 forward Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.